Hello Memphis, I'm Toby Sells, a staff writer here at the Memphis Flyer. This week's cover is all about the paranormal in Memphis, and I got to do the story and spend some time with some really great folks who had some super creepy stories. Also, I found some folks in our office with some spooky stories of their own. First, we'll hear from Carla Worth. She's the co-host of the local podcast called Talk Spook. Uh, she's got some great stories from living in a haunted house in High Point Terrace, and also she got to ghost hunt uh, Crosstown before it was the concourse. Then Stephen Gunther, a ghost hunter and owner of the ghost tour company Historical Haunts of Memphis, will talk about some creepy encounters in Victorian Village and in an old funeral home in Covington. It's really creepy. Then Celeste Dixon tells her own story of getting totally creeped out at work, not the Memphis Flyer, but before. Uh, and then finally, we'll hear from one of the Flyer's senior editors, Michael Finger, who shares his stories about growing up in a haunted house. So, turn down the lights, grab some barbecue nachos, and let's hear some ghost stories. Happy Halloween, y'all! Yeah, I lived in a haunted house with uh, my husband, so and that's how I got into it. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a few creepy things that happened in that haunted house. Oh, um, so there was one time where I was taking a shower, and this was like deep into it, where we already knew something was going on, and I could hear people talking about me taking a shower, like they were standing kind of outside of the. Ba- I used to walk the bathroom door okay. to take a shower, and I'd be the only one home. That's how terrified we were all the time. Oh, wow. Um, we, at one point, turned all the mirrors around the other way because we always thought, we always felt like something was watching us in the mirrors. Whoa. We sound crazy. We're not crazy at all. Um, and we would hear scratching and growling in the bedroom with us, um, and we would, we would be talking about, we'd be laying in bed being like, which corner of the room do you hear it from? And it would always be, we'd always agree that it was in the same area. We'd be like having conversations while it's going on. Um, we had things break all the time. Uh, my favorite story is this. This is what we, we, this is how we decided to move out. We always said that if it, I had a daughter, she was, she had turned five this particular weekend. And we always said that if it messed with her, we would move. Okay. And so she had got this uh, Barbie doll, it's Barbie vet. And it would give birth to kittens. This, like, toy cat would give birth to more kittens. Whoa. And it was Barbie taking care of them. But the toy would go, meow, meow, meow. And so she's like, Gil worked at a church, so he's off doing the church thing. And I'm sitting there debating on whether or not we're going to go to the church because they had bouncy houses that day. Okay. Otherwise, it would have gone. Um, but so we're dressed up. And I was like, I don't know. Do we want to go do this Jesus thing? Whatever. And I'm sitting at the computer, and she's sitting there playing with it. And I hear it go off, and it goes, meow, meow, meow. And then she says, Mommy, did you hear that? And already, like, I, we're, like, real deep in this. Like, so many things have already happened. So I'm, like, sitting there, and I kind of grasp my chair a little bit, and I'm like, hear what? And she says, nothing. And then I hear the toy go off again, meow, meow, meow. And then she says, Mommy, did you hear that? And I said, hear what? And I, at this point, I'm like, hairs are standing up, ready for it. And then I hear, not from the toy, but from some other voice in the room. And I can see her. She's in my line of sight. Meow, 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 like gravelly, devilly, and she jumps up. Yeah, I mean, she jumps up and she jumps in my lap, and I was like, "Baby, we're going to church," and we jetted out of the house. Wow! 
and uh, I called Gil, you know, while we were on the porch, and I was like, we're coming, and this just happened, and he was like, hey, we're moving out, we're moving out, and I got attacked another time where something jumped on me on the couch in broad daylight, and was like, bouncing me around to the point that Gil took me to the emergency room, Whoa. because they thought that I was either having, I was either epileptic, having a seizure, um, a psychotic break, there were a lot of options there, and they did CAT scans and um, ran a bunch of tests, and they were like, we can't figure out what's wrong with you. And like, so I was like, this is what happened, just the physical stuff, nothing about the house. And the doctor came in and was like, it sounds like you live in one of those paranormal activity movies. And I was like, I kid Uh, you not, we do. Wow. And so I got diagnosed at the haunted house. That is crazy. Um, Where was the house, Midtown, downtown? I'm excited to tell you, it was in High Point Terrace. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Not to uh, what they think of that. Nothing. They were like, she's like, you need to get out. And I was like, no, no girl. Just I know. Go Hey, hey, hey. You're, you are tired. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a million of them tomorrow. So, How long so ago it, was that? Um, this was our, the first year we were together. Um, we I moved in in June, and by January we were gone. And he had, but he had lived there for five like, years. Three or four years ago, or oh, uh, seven years ago. Okay, but he had already lived there for five years, and he had lived there with his roommate. And granted, they're two dudes, and they were throwing parties all the time. And like, if there was a ghost there, he probably wouldn't even notice it. Okay, or the ghost didn't want but anything he did to say, do with it. Right. He was like, Whoa. yeah, like right. these bitches right. coming over. But he did say that he once woke up to a little boy praying at his nightstand during that five years. But so his roommate moved out, and I moved in, and he. And that's when things started getting weird. And uh, this is a hilarious part of the story is that one Halloween on the radio, they had a psychic. And I called in and I was like, I'm just going to see what she says. And she was like, oh, your house is haunted. And I was like, good guess. And then she was like, you have two ghosts there. And one of them is really jealous and wants you out. And I was like, hmm. I was like, I have heard multiple ghosts Mm -hmm. or voices talking. I was like, this could be like a thing. And she was like, you like when you take a shower and I was like oh creepy no 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 so I was like but also again (laughs) could just be like that's an easy thing to say everybody has a bathroom in their house but I was just like that's really fucked up yeah but anyway so that's how I got into this um talk a little bit about your investigations here uh before it was the cross town concourse yes so um we got really lucky and i own housekeeping service and i do a lot of the cross town spaces across the street Mm -hmm. and so i went to one of the co-developers and i was like hey could we like ghost hunt that building before you renovate it he was like yeah sure so probably terrible at the time (laughs) for him to do that but we signed all the waivers and they let us in and we had a guided tour twice and, um, and if you're interested in hearing about those, they're 901 Pure Global. Yeah. Um, you can listen to those episodes. But um, we got to tour the place. And the first time, not a whole bunch happened. It was kind of creepy. But the second time, we got an EVP. And I explained kind of earlier about how that happened. But we were standing in the stairwell between the retail and the whole distri- distribution center. Uh-huh. Well, I was like wholesale. Retail and the back part. And um, we had someone yell at us to get out. Uh, we didn't hear it at the time, so it was an EVP. Um, but that was some of the best evidence we've ever gotten as a podcast. Well, tell me what the guy said what you heard, and then it wasn't on the on the thing. Right. So that. we're standing at this. Uh, the, it's literally a gate in this in the like the emergency stairwell that leads from the retail side. So the retail side is would have been predominantly white. Okay. Um, it's where you'd go shopping, and all the ladies would be like trying our perfume. 
And then you have the distribution center that would have been predominantly black or Hispanic or whatever, um, of the lower wage workers. And so there was like a huge distance there, like a, not, just, not just a literal barrier, but like they weren't supposed to mix. And so we're standing at this gate and we're just standing there talking, recording, just kind of wandering around through the stairwell. And we didn't hear it at the time, but we, we go back and listen to it and we hear this voice. Um, to me, it comes from that distribution center mm-hmm. and it just yells at us to get out. I mean, I would have recreated that pretty yell. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and again, I've never had an experience. I've always wanted to, uh, to do some of that stuff. But when I hear those EVPs, something about it just creeps me the fuck out. It I mean, they're real. I, I have actual audio recordings that I cannot explain wow. because, uh, and I, you, I don't know if you were in here when I was talking about the Marine Hospital. Yeah. Yes where I have um, audio where someone's typing on a typewriter in a morgue or throwing rocks or mm-hmm. humming and singing, and it's like, where did that come from? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> there's a fourth-floor building, and you know, there's one person on the fourth floor doing taking pictures, but there's no woman in the basement. There should be no one down there humming, right. so it doesn't make sense for that to be happening. Yeah. You had uh, a really lively night, one night on investigation at the uh, Fontaine House over there. Uh, maybe you can just tell me what happened. That place never disappoints. Um, we do a ghost tour there a couple times a month. We do an investigation about once a month. And occasionally we go in just as our group on our own, just because we like it mm-hmm. and we want to collect other evidence. But we've had uh, voices recorded very clear. Uh, we've had t- whole tour groups there where you will smell the smell of either perfume in one of the ladies' rooms or you'll smell tobacco. And it'll mm-hmm. last long enough where we'll say, okay, everybody walk through this cloud. It'll be like a little cloud, try and get people through it, try and get people through it. And the other night, um, there's a lot of stories up on the second floor about Molly Woodruff's bed and uh, bedroom where they'll see an imprint on the bed of where it looks like someone sat. She's a very tiny little gal, so it's about the size of your hands. It was just a little butt print there. Okay. And we actually saw it happen, which I've never seen it happen. I've Whoa. seen a film of it. Uh-huh. I've seen it afterwards. We were there, and we and a group of people in the room, you could see it happen. Wow. We smoothed it all out. We came back later, and it was there again. Different part of the bed. But, I mean, it's... That's eerie. That's creepy. Yeah. You said uh, sometimes they'll say stuff. You have recordings. What do they say? Uh, We have a very good one. Um, That particular house also, we were down on the first floor, and it's where Mr. Fontaine, the second owner, had passed away. Okay. They had opened him up for an exploratory surgery uh, in the house. His son-in-law came over from across the street. He'd probably been in the Molly Fontaine lounge. It really was Molly Fontaine's house. It It was a gift to his daughter, and she had married a doctor. He came over, opened him up, and he passed away during the procedure. So we were doing a session there one night, and uh, someone was kind of making a joke, and they, they said, I want to make a deal with the ghosts, because there was another group coming in. So we're very competitive. You know? uh-huh. So one of our investigators said that. Right afterwards, this very clear voice says, I'm still alive. So it, it, very clear. It's what they call a Class A EVP, which if I played it for you, you could hear it. We would all agree, okay, that's what it says yeah. in this whispered voice. But it's interesting because it's also sort of a teaching moment because we, we say ghost and we say dead, yet here we are trying to communicate with them. Sure. So we, we quit saying dead and ghost and, and we're more politically correct, perhaps we should say differently living, you know, <laughs> uh, but we don't say that much. If we really believe they're transitioned and they're on another plane, we're trying to make contact, we use a little bit more 
inclusive language sure. now, you know. Yeah. So we, we took it as a gentle scolding. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you have these experiences coming from the reason that you got into it in the first place, uh, and you have, a, you have a really great experience, uh, does it creep you out? Does it make you feel hopeful? Do, uh, what, do you, what do you feel when, when you have I'll, a I'll tell experience? you another one. This is just in the last six weeks. And this was up in Covington at Mainly Manor. And we had a um, big group of people. And we had a small group of people that were uh, Spanish-speaking people. And usually on the first floor of the house, we get a lot of activity on the spirit box. Mm-hmm. The words that come through, phrases. That night is the first time I'd ever seen it in my life. We had one group on one side of the wall in English. The other Hispanic group was getting EVPs and, and communication in Spanish. I had never heard that. Makes total sense. You have to believe it's true. Okay. You know, that in German, they're getting German. But I had never sat there. I was in the living room, kind of in between, mm-hmm. going, wow. That's crazy. So there was a message for each of them. Mm-hmm. And they were different. And in fact, the Hispanic uh, people, the Spanish-speaking people, actually started to cry. And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, like no one could know that. That was the nickname of our nephew who passed away several years ago. Whoa. So for them, it was a very like uh, healing moment. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of what we do, too, for some people, can bring closure. And it is almost a, a healing moment in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are in the flyer office here with Celeste Dixon. Maybe you can just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Celeste. What do you do around here? Uh, I am the accounting assistant, and I also act as kind of the office manager around here. I know when I was doing the uh, the paranormal cover that's this week's Memphis flyer, uh, I said I wanted some ghost stories. You were one of the first people to jump up and said. I've got a ghost story, so mm-hmm. maybe you can tell me what happened. Just tell me what happened. Uh, so I used to work at a bakery in Bartlett called Busy Bakery. It was uh, very close to the train tracks, uh, to the old train station over in Bartlett, um, where Bartlett Boulevard intersects with Stage Road. Okay. Um, my uh, my bosses had always told me about strange events that had happened there. I never really believed them. I just, I thought they were trying to scare me, even though they know I can't be scared by things like that. Uh-huh. I, just, I love it. Um, so one night, it was December, and that's our busiest time of year. We have a lot of orders. Okay. It was, we had just closed the um, the bakery. It was about 5 p.m., so it was already dark okay. in wintertime. Uh, they left to either go do a delivery or pick up supplies, something like that. So I was the only one left in the bakery, and I was just getting ready for the next day, um, you know, stirring icing or something like that okay. in the front part of the actual kitchen. Um, so I'm there completely by myself. There's no music or anything. I'm just completely lost in my work and my okay. own thoughts. I have my hair in a bun. And all of a sudden, I felt a p- the part that was not actually in the bun, but the part that was more attached to my head, okay. that, that was not, you know, up in the bun. I felt a strand on the left side of my head being pulled out of the bun. Creepy. And I, uh, my thought process at the time was, uh, that's not the fan. There's no way. That, there's no way the fan would blow my hair like that. It's not like a weird nerve mm-hmm. in my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could. What if it's a bug? No, that's that's ridiculous. Right. There's no bugs on my head. Um, so it was pulling. The, it was. It, it, was it, wasn't, it was the part that was. Uh, uh, it was up under your head, and it right. was really hard for something to. You, something would have to pull it. Right. I've. I felt that before. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no mistaking that feeling. Like, like I, it, it was being pulled out of my bun. Right. 
Um, so I whipped around and just said, stop it. And I didn't experience anything after that. Did you tell the owners? Of course, yeah. What did they yeah. say? Yeah, they were just like, yep. <laughs> what, so there had been activity in there before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they, they saw cookies flying off the shelf. What? Um, other other strange strange stuff like that. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. the cookies. That uh, is crazy. Yeah, that stuck out to me. No, it is not okay. open. It is now um, a restaurant called Sweet Peas Table. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So anybody, if you are listening and you've been to Sweet Peas Table or you work there, uh, congratulations. You're haunted. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, Celeste, thank you so much for sharing your story. I thank appreciate you. it. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. Michael Finger. I'm the executive editor of Memphis Magazine. Now, when I started working on the paranormal story, uh, you came over by my cube and told me that uh, you had some pretty decent ghost stories, and uh, and I listened to them. They were decent. They were super creepy. Uh, I don't know what stories you want to tell me today, but I thought I'd just open the floor up and let you uh, let you tell me what you know. Well, I want to tell you a story that I don't think many people know, since we kind of kept it a secret for a while, but then we sort of didn't keep it a secret because we thought maybe people could help us out here. But my parents uh, lived in a house that can only be described as haunted because too many weird things, unexplained things happened there during the three years, first three years they lived there. And then things kind of faded away. So the first three years were the most challenging. But I should explain that this house is out in East Memphis, close to Germantown. From the road, you would never think it was haunted or spooky or, you know, anything wrong with it at all. It's just a very plain-looking ranch-style house. I should explain that my father is a mechanical engineer. He is disinclined to believe in the supernatural. He's a very methodical, let's-figure-this-out kind of guy. And my mother, though uh, eccentric sometimes, uh, was not a crazy person either, and she didn't uh, tend to make up things. So... That's sort of the background. They moved to this house in 1977, and my father worked during the day. As I said, he was an engineer for Kimberly-Clark Corporation, so he worked downtown, and my my mother was a housewife, so she stayed in the house most of the time when she wasn't out shopping. But at any rate, she was in the house alone quite a lot. Nothing happened for a few weeks, but my mother would complain when my father came home that, Something's on the air conditioning in the house or the heating because I can be in the room and all of a sudden a cold blast will just move through the, the den. And, um, or just, I would just feel chills or, or just odd, just odd sensations. You know, well, we didn't attribute that to ghosts. We just thought, okay, it's new house, newish house. Let's uh-huh. just get to work on some things. So we'll look into some things. Never found anything wrong. But um, things then began to escalate. Um, and my father, in fact, was sitting in the den one night. I guess I need to try to somehow explain the layout of the house. The den is in the middle of the house, and there's a long hallway that leads off the den. It's an L-shaped hallway that goes back to the four bedrooms. So if you're sitting in the den, if you're sitting on one side of the den, all you can do is you can see into the kitchen. But if you're sitting on the other side of the den, you then have a clear view down that hallway, at least until it makes that bend and goes to the other bedroom. But at any rate, um, my mother would complain about odd things happening, and they were truly odd, and we didn't know what to make of them, except think that maybe mom is crazy. (laughs) Um, 
But for example, she came home from the grocery store one day and she put all the groceries in the kitchen cabinets and then she went into the den to sit down and read and then a few minutes later she said she heard what she described as an odd noise. So she went into the kitchen and all the kitchen cabinet doors were wide open. Every single one. Whoa. Um, this concerned her. <laughs> sure. She mentioned it to my father, who again is a mechanical engineer, so he looked at the latches and the hinges and mm -hmm. didn't make anything of it. Another time my mother came home uh, from shopping and put her purse, where she always puts it, up on top of the refrigerator. And the refrigerator sticks out in the room a good deal, so there's plenty of space on top of that refrigerator. She went back in the den, once again heard an odd plop, and went in there and her purse was on the floor. And not just as if it had fallen off the refrigerator, mm -hmm. but in the middle of the kitchen floor. She oh, put whoa. it back on top of the refrigerator, puzzled, went back in the den, heard the same noise. The purse is again in the middle of the kitchen floor. Oh my goodness! Not opened, uh -huh. just and, and and even if by some chance it had slid three feet forward and then tumbled to the ground, it would not have been magically slid over to the middle of the kitchen floor. Whoa! She said she took it back into the den with her, set set it on the couch with her until my father came home. <laughs> okay, things. Uh, my father began to notice a few things. He just kind of mentioned them to me without, because he didn't want to make my mother nervous. But he said one time he was in the den and he noticed a white mist um, just kind of moved from the kitchen down the hallway. This I mean, is your father the engineer saw this. This is my father the engineer. So obviously he thought, well, let me investigate this. He thought it was, you know, steam or, a, or fog or something. He uh -huh. didn't, again, no, there was no ghost talk. Uh -huh. but, but he thought, well, that, that's peculiar. Sure. Um, but at any rate, things really came to a head when one day my mother was home by herself, and she was taking a bath. The bathroom is right next to the, their main bedroom. And so she, while she's in the bathroom, she hears somebody clearly walk down the hallway. She hears uh, the closet door open, which is next to the bathroom. She hears a clunk clunk, and then she hears the bed springs squeak. Now, at first she's quite vigilant, thinking, what in the world? And then she puts the pieces together, decides, well, my father's come home early, opened the closet door, thrown his shoes in the closet, sure, and then he's laid down in the bed. You can imagine her surprise when she gets out and there's nobody in the house. Whoa. And she even calls my father and he's still at work. She said she told me she she actually got in the car and just <laughs> sat in the garage in the car until my father came home. That's the safest place to be. And then told him that, and he couldn't make anything of it either. Um, another time she was in the den. My father suffers from kidney stones, so he has these he's had these attacks before. So she was in the den one time. My father was in the backyard mowing the grass. She heard the kitchen door open. She heard what she thought was my father come in the kitchen and start moaning in pain so she thought oh my gosh my father has had a kidney attack and I need to dash in there and get him to the emergency room sure so she runs in there the kitchen door is still not only shut but latched and looking through the window she can see my father is still happily mowing the yard oh goodness so whatever came in the back door and moaned it wasn't my father <laughs> now things okay now things I mean this is happening week after week now um 
I began to make a list of them. In fact, I would listen to them and then just kind of write these things down. But it really got interesting one time when my mother was babysitting my nephew, who's also named Michael after me. My mother, they were in the den. My mother was in the couch, I mean in the chair across the den where she cannot see down this hallway. My nephew, he's a, who's only five, four, five, He's never been told about these ghosts. We're like, we don't want to spook him out when sure. he comes to visit his grandparents. But he's sitting in the couch where he has a view. If he turns to the right, he can clearly see down the hallway. So he's just reading a book. And my mother says that all of a sudden, Michael kind of looked up and then looked down the hallway. Well, at first, she said he seemed to be listening to something. He kind of cocked his head like he's listening with a puzzled expression on his face. And then she said he turned all of a sudden and looked and was clearly looking at something down the hallway. And my mother, a bit concerned, said, uh, Michael, what are you looking at? And then Michael just kind of shrugs his shoulders and turned back to his book. Okay. Because he didn't think anything was unusual. He just said, who was that man? And my mother <laughs> said, uh, Michael, what man? Because there should have been no man right. in the house. And Michael, again, not concerned about anything, just said, well, the man that went into the bedroom. Um, so my mother went down there just to make sure, and sure enough, the bedroom was empty. Later, again, not trying to alarm Michael, she just said, well, what did he look like? And, and Michael, Michael thought that we had a visitor. That's right. all he made of it. <laughs> uh, he said, well, he was an old man, and he was wearing a, black, a long black coat, and he had a hat on. And that's all we got out of him. We didn't whoa. want to say, like, can you describe the ghost more thoroughly? We just thought, well, okay, whoa, that's interesting. Um, but another time, um, things things begin to happen in that hallway. Other people would see things. Uh, I mean, just out of the corner of your eye. If you sat on that couch, you would just see things, and you would look. So if something, it was just very, you learned not to sit on the couch. <laughs> it was just too nerve much. Yeah. Um, but people felt odd in the house. It was an odd sensation. If my parents went out of town, good luck getting anybody to get the mail. Uh, we would, they would get the mail and they would put it on the kitchen table and then they'd get the hell out of there. Right, right. They were not going to stay in the house. And, uh, two things really, uh, became really dramatic. One time, again, my father, who was skeptical of all this, just, he didn't know what to make of it, but he was still skeptical of it. But one time, he was in the den late at night, and um, my mother was taking a bath. I know that sounds like that's all she does, but she was taking a bath. <laughs> and when she finally came into the den, he looked at her and said, well, what's the matter? And she says, what are you talking about? He goes, well, what do you mean? What do you, what's the matter with you? What happened? And she goes, Gene, I uh, don't know what you're talking about. This, this gets him upset. He goes, well, what do you mean? He said, I heard you come out of the bathroom, walk down the hallway, and then burst into tears and run back into the bedroom. So what's the matter? What happened? Whoa. And she says, Gene, that wasn't me. And this Whoa. got my father a little concerned. So once sure. again, he goes through the house trying to make sense of all this. And he's still not quite convinced that, that maybe there's some explanation for it that's not that unusual. Uh-huh. Well, that's until it happened to him. Um, my parents were in bed one night, late one night, and my mother woke my father up and said, Gene, I think somebody's in the house. Well, that's obviously an alarming thing. So um, he said, what are you talking about? And she says, well, don't you hear voices? And he sat up in bed, 
and he said, yeah, I hear voices. Let me go, go see what's going on. And so he went down the hallway and stopped outside this bedroom. Now, this is the same bedroom where the man in gray okay. came in, and we've seen a lot of other things uh, happen around this. Everything seems to be centered around this bedroom and this hallway. But he stood with the... And this is, by the way, a guest bedroom, and they never have guests, so it's never used okay. at all. But at the same time, still trying to think logically about things, he stood outside the hallway, and as he told me later... He said, I could hear a man and a woman talking, but I couldn't quite make out what they're saying. And I finally figured out, oh, the TV in the guest bedroom must be on. Of course. I have no idea why it would be on. He said, so I opened the door. The room was dark. As I opened the door, the voices got much louder and then instantly got quiet. He said, and then when I walked over to the TV, I realized the TV's not on. It hasn't been on. We never turned the TV on again. Whoa. He said, so I backed out, shut the door, and went back to bed, and I told your mother the TV was on. <laughs> he said, but it wasn't on, and, I, he said, and he told me, he said, I didn't sleep a wink that night. Whoa. I didn't know what to make of that. Yeah. Now, I had my own bizarre experiences there. My parents died um, in 2000, and my father died in 2013 in the hospital. My mother died in 2014 in, in bed, in her bedroom. And after their deaths, the house was empty for a while until we could get it ready to sell. I was the only person with keys to the house. I did not like to go over there, day or night, into an empty house uh, because I just felt creeped out by it. Sure. But one thing that especially creeped me out was... As I walked down that hallway one time, and I turned, so then I'm walking now into my mother's bedroom. Her main closet door was open about a foot. So I shut it. I looked around the house to make sure nobody had gotten in. You know, just checking on an empty house, mm-hmm. like you would do. So I shut the door, and it latches quite securely, and I left. The next night, I had to come back to get something. And I walked down the hallway, and I just stopped cold, because that closet door was open again. Whoa. And it's open about a foot. And so I just kind of shut it again. Actually, I opened it first, turned the light on. There's nothing in this closet. Okay. The whole room is empty. Mm-hmm. And I shut it again, made sure the wiggled the handle, make sure it actually latches shut, left. A few nights later, I came back. Closet door's open again. Whoa. Exact same amount. Mm-hmm. I, this time I decided, actually, this happened five times. Uh, I, I photographed it one time to show people. I said, look, this is what's happening. I don't know what to make of this, but this closet door won't stay shut, and it always opens the same amount. I even experimented with it. I would unlatch it myself to see if it would swing open. It, would, it won't swing open. Okay. And even if you then open it a foot, it won't swing shut. It's not opening on its own. Okay. Um, Creepy. This happened um, one night I was there, and I felt some really bad just vibes in that house. And again, I turned down the hallway... And before I made that turn, I just told myself, if that doorway is open, I am out of here. Yeah. And that doorway was open. So I just announced <laughs> to the house, I said, keep the door open. I'm leaving. Goodbye. And um, I left. I didn't have to come back for a while. But I still had to come in the house. So one time I got some bricks out of the garage, and I shut the, the closet door, and I piled bricks against the closet door. And I guess ghosts can't push doors open that have bricks on the other side of them. 
because that kept the door shut. That was the only thing that would keep it shut. Huh. But it just completely freaked me out. Whoa. We, um, we sold the house. We haven't heard from the new residents whether they've had any adventures. Uh, I do know this. I'll show this one final little factoid with you that when my parents started having these experiences, they did ask some of the neighbors if they anything unusual would happen to their homes. Mm-hmm. And most people said no. But one woman who lived just two doors down, she said, well, something happened that we have trouble explaining. We came home from dinner one night, and even though we have a burglar alarm and no one obviously got in the house, every single picture in every room of her house was sitting on the floor right beneath where they had been hung on the wall. And, you know, people have said, well, you know, Memphis has earthquakes. I don't care what kind of earthquake you have. (laughs) It's not going to knock every single picture off so that it lands perfectly neatly on the floor and doesn't get damaged in any way. That is creepy. They hung the pictures back up, and it never happened again, but I would have moved out that night. (laughs) So that's the story of the so-called The the Secret on Stout Road. Um, This went on for like three or four years. Uh, the first three or four years they lived in the house, it kind of faded down. It would flare up again. My mother would hear her voices. She learned to speak back. She would say, just shut up. I'm not moving out. And she said they would shut up. So we don't know what Whoa. to make of it. We, we kind of got used to it, and that's, uh, that's that. That's amazing. Well, Mr. Finger, thank you so much for sharing the secret of Stout Road with us. Uh, maybe kids still dare each other to drive by the old finger place out there on Stout Road these days. Who knows? Well, thank you, sir. Thank you.